I want to give you my like Please. argument on why they won the product launch war because they had a like what the f- moment. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people. I am your co-host, Kieran Flanagan, here as always with my co-host, Kip Bodnar, still under the weather. But that's okay, because we are going to talk about why last night we were recording this the day after the GPT-4 launch and why everyone has been given superpowers overnight. We're going to talk about why this was our everything, everywhere, all at once moment for AI with launches from Google, OpenAI, Midjourney, a depth funding round of 350 million, and just all of the things that have blown Kip and I's mind about GPT-4. Let's talk about the biggest day in AI history. Before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform with AI-powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Kieran, my mind got blown yesterday. I want to start out this show with a proposal. We're recording this on March 15th, 3.15. Yesterday, when all this news broke, was March 14th, otherwise known as Pi Day. You know, 3.14. Oh, I thought it was actually like a pie pie. I'm going to make a proposal that we drop the P and swap it with an A and that here going forward, 314 is now known as AI Day because it was such a massive day in AI that Google made an announcement that barely anybody paid attention to. No one. Like that's how crazy the day was. No one. And actually their AI stuff was pretty cool. It was super dope. And it totally yeah. just got overshadowed by everything else. Open AI were really the only things people were talking about. It was also one of those moments, which is kind of one of the cool things about Twitter where everyone seems like they're one giant community sharing in the excitement, like everyone talking about the product launch in real time, sharing new cases in real time. It's when social media actually feels good. Okay, so the big news of March 14th was that OpenAI launched GPT-4. There had been rumors coming. Kieran, we had talked about it on previous shows. And now it's here and it's blowing people's minds and it has some real differences. Some of the biggest differences is that it's multimodal, which means it can accept images. Like you can give it an image of ingredients and it will tell you what you can make with those ingredients, for example, which is pretty, pretty bananas. The other thing it's gotten much better at is like rhyming and like long form text. It can now generate up to 25,000 words, which is pretty crazy for long form text. But like, go, Kieran, like, just tell me your unbridled thoughts of GPT-4 use cases. Like, I just want to hear it. I'll give you the first, just a fun one that I was playing with myself. And then maybe we can get into like a back and forth on all of the incredible things that we saw last night that really blew our mind. And you mentioned some of them there. And I definitely think we want to touch on why OpenAI, with all of the product launches, there was one thing they did that I think was the reason they were the most talked about product launch. But real quick, here's one you'll love because you and I share a hatred for admin. And so one of the things I was trying out this morning was I was, I have like Google Docs where I keep my meeting notes. And so every day I create a new Google Doc and will write meeting notes. And so what I did is I compiled them all into like one master document for March. Okay. And I give it to GPT-4 because obviously GPT-4 now can actually take in 25,000 words. And we can get into just how transformative that's going to be. 
and I asked it to summarize all of my meeting notes and to give me all of the follow-up points. And it was actually really good. (laughs) (laughs) Really? It summarized them much better than me. It pulled out follow-up notes that like, you would have forgotten. I would have forgotten, but they actually provoked a better context than I. <laughs> like, I don't know how it did. Like, the context it provided on my follow-up points were better than, like, what I would have provided. Now, it did elaborate in places that made no sense. It was like, you know, I think you're kind of lying there. Like, I don't yes. need to do those things. But here's an incredible, like, quick tip that I'm going to try to implement, and I'll share it back with the listeners next week, is what I'm going to do is keep a, a doc, keep weekly notes, and then I will just, like, zap that to my open AI and then zap that to my email. And every week, I'll just get a summary of my most important notes and follow-up points from those meetings. Yep. And then I'll just scrub the Google Doc. So there's these like incredible things that I think we're going to find. I know people are, have already done a lot of this, but make our lives so much better. So much better. But why did they win? I want to give you my argument on why they won the product launch war. Please. Because they had a like, what the f- moment, right? I think in your product launch, you need to have one moment where people can go, wow, and can share that with their friends and can share that with their network. And Google stuff was really cool, right? AI and Gmail makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Like there's a ton of productivity. We all live in our email. AI and documentation makes total sense. Like Grammarly, one of my favorite tools. Oh, they're in a pretty tough spot. I think I'm just going to use Google Docs. And actually I have AI in Notion now for free, which is pretty incredible. And their incredible moment was just mind-blowing. Hold on, when you say they, you're talking about OpenAI. So Google did some cool stuff, but OpenAI had the best demo since the iPhone. I'm going to pause it that GPT-4 was the best product demo since the original iPhone demo. Yeah, my two favorite are iPod and iPhone. Like yes. there is never going to be a better strap line than... Thousand songs in your pocket, baby. Never. Never. No one's ever going to beat that. It's the best copywriting of all time. iPhone showed how you can take mobile from utility to something that's entertainment and completely transformed the way you thought about mobile. GPT-4's product demo transformed the way I thought about everything. Hold on, explain the demo. So OpenAI's product launch, they done a bunch of cool stuff, right? They actually showed an incredible, useful application where they give the AI a bunch of code, there was bugs in it, and then it just said, hey, read all of the documentation for me, and then tell me how this is wrong. And it can do that, right? And then at the end, they came to the kind of the David Blaine moment, right? You know, David Blaine is one of my favorite magicians, done a bunch of crazy things. And even he would be put to shame by this, which is take notepad or napkin, as people will call it, sketch out website in like just me and you sketching out a website at a bar, give sketch to OpenAI chat GPT-4 and have GPT-4 build website. I got that pulled the video up, dude. Do you want to watch it together real quick? Show the video. We're on the YouTubes. What are we looking at? The sketch? Yeah. So here's the sketch from the OpenAI demo yeah. that everybody's looking at, which is to call it a wireframe for a website would be generous, right? <laughs> Pretty generous. <laughs> it is literally a drawing on a piece of paper, right? If my developer sent me that, I would question my choice of have that person <laughs> as my developer. <laughs> That's a wireframe. <laughs> but then GPT-4 was able to turn that into an actual working website by writing all of the code that looks exactly like that napkin. Right. Anyone who learned HTML and CSS in the last year or so, I'm sorry you wasted your time. (laughs) (laughs) I actually can go back to being a software engineer now because I actually, I would have been a great software engineer and only for, I couldn't code. So I can go back now to being like a developer because I could just have someone else do the job for me. It's like perfect. But that is a a mind-blowing output. And that's what we're talking about, is that the demo was so sick. And that's what caused them to win the day is because 
nobody would have ever comprehended like, oh, I can draw an idea and then have that idea be live and real in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Right? They had the iPod, iPhone moment, right? They had a moment in that product launch where all of the other stuff before that was super cool. Like the image recognition. So cool. Where you could just ask it to describe an image as an input. So now you can input image and have that be described in text really easily. The given a documentation and having it learn coding languages for you to actually start to debug your code. But all of those things kind of paled in significance when you actually have the napkin to website moment. I thought that was just one of those moments that will like live in time. Well, so, so there's a couple things here. If, if you're a marketer and you're, you're watching or listening to the show, why it's so magical is because I think the hardest marketing challenge with something like GPT-4 or AI in general is that this technology is so broad and can do so many things that it's hard to really understand it. And so they were able to bring this technology to life in like a very simple, like one minute video. And that is so, so, so hard to do. And they nailed it. And with a product like that, it's remarkable. Like you and I were on WhatsApp being like, our joke was essentially is like being the, the chief marketing officer of OpenAI, the easiest job in the world. Like, you know, like, do you just sit back and chill? Cause you're like, wait, I, I have the best demo in the world. You want to know what my product does? Boom, here you go. You don't need to do much when you can have a demo that is that viral, like that creates that much chatter online. It, incredible product. So I think there's something to be said for it's hard to fathom how things change when you can go from idea to finished product with no steps in between. Like think of Figma. I was actually, when I went to think about companies where today you're sketching wireframes and like Figma could just have an AI integration which turns all of your Figma sketches into products, apps, and websites. Correct. It's incredible to think through that. We did an episode recently talking about the growth framework and templates as a really great way to grow large businesses. Well, why would I need to go and build all those templates where I can just write a bunch of napkins? <laughs> <laughs> so my, my strategy to displace Canva is to have a napkin library and then just have like AI translated all into actual templates. So there's a couple things here, I think, for everybody watching the show today. The first is, this should be the biggest wake-up call into the pace of innovation change that we're about to be in. The ability to go from idea to product or marketing strategy, what have you, it's shrunk by an order of magnitude, right? It's so much faster to build and create using these technologies than it has been in all of human history. And that is going to mean that the next wave of innovation is just going to have crazy fast iteration. And so if you are not set up as an agile team that embraces technology, you're going to get out innovated, I think. Do you agree? And keep in mind, ChatGPT was launched in November. <laughs> we are in March and this is GPT-4, right? And ChatGPT was based on GPT-3.5. If you just look at its bar exam results. Oh yeah, this was crazy. So chat GPT was in the 10th percentile. It passed the results, was in the 10th percentile. GPT-4 was in the 90th percentile. And then on some other tests, I looked at like biology, some sort of biology exam. It was in the 99th percentile. And across all of the grades it had, it would get into Stanford as like a top student. That is now like free and accessible to you, right? I think GPT-4 is only available in pro. Like they were just like ringing in the money last night for those upgrades. Oh, talk about that. This is a super brilliant move from OpenAI. Oh, the monetization strategy. Like they, you know what? Their monetization strategy for OpenAI, I think is going to be an interesting balance between evil and good. <laughs> and let me give you a quick example of that. So the good is like, 
they have trained the world on, hey, I really need access to this uh, chat GPT interface. And they've given it to you for free, typical freemium play, get you hooked, get you hooked on the value. They release GPT-4 and they make that available in Pro. I was like immediately upgraded. <laughs> I didn't even I did like think thing. about it. Uh, you did the same. So like, I think everyone probably upgraded because they've already seen value in the free version. The actually interesting thing about OpenAI that it, I think long-term is going to be really interesting. I don't know if you saw that because they're, they're a front-end company and a back-end company. I think that's going to be a really interesting balance. And they're releasing some sort of front-end app to like help people or help companies tell the difference between AI-generated humans and humans. So like create <laughs> problem <laughs> for entire world and then release apps to make money off problem to solve problems. Sell guns and then sell bulletproof yeah, vests. Right. <laughs> you know, it's the classic example yeah, of so this. There's some of that going on. The thing I wanted to kind of touch on, because I, I want to make sure our listeners understand just how monumental this is. The 25,000 words is totally game-changing. And what does that mean? So let me give you a real example for all of the marketing-minded folks, right? Copywriting is one of the most incredible skills you can learn. Learning how to sell digitally is a superpower. And if you actually master that superpower, you're always going to have some sort of income, right? Well, in today's world, because it's impossible for a human to retain 25,000 words and be able to manipulate and reason with that content. Like you might be able to do a kip because you have photographic memory. <laughs> it's impossible for me to like hold 200 words in my head because I've already forgotten them and moved on to the next thing. So it can hold 25,000 words and it can actually manipulate them, reason with them, use them somewhat similar to like a really top grade Stanford student. So imagine I want to recreate a sales page. I can now tell it to read all of the works of David Ogilvy or any other incredible copywriter. Yes. And then apply the learnings to my sales page and tell me where it has changed things and why. Like that is unbelievable. The thing that OpenAI showed was, again, I coming back to reading API docs, reading code and docs, and then doing the work because it's learned those things and doing the work for you. It's basically, I hope you've seen this movie, Kevin. I know you are pretty bad with like the things that you watch. Ouch, so you've man. seen Matrix, right? I have seen the Matrix. That's a great movie. Yeah, okay. Neo plugging the thing into his brain. Like when I was first watching the Matrix, that was the superpower I want, which is like a oh, plug thing in ear, become expert on thing. Boom. It's here. We have that capability today. Dude, it's nuts. Well, so first of all, a quick sidebar. GPT-4 is actually not the biggest news of this week. The John Wick 4 oh. reviews a trailer. Oh my God, dude. Oh my dude, gosh. Keanu Reeves is a living legend. Uh, but like John Wick 4 is going to be so, so sick. So dope. So dope. But that's just an aside. We're, we're, we're excited for John Wick 4. If you're excited for John Wick 4, leave us a comment in the YouTube. Uh, we'll, we'll do like a virtual watch party or something. <laughs> but you're right that the ability to like scale your brain is one of the things that's changing. And with... GPT-4, I think you fully see that AI is a new platform. And it's a new platform because it's breaking existing systems. Right. Right. Like you talked about the college entrance exam system. Like you talked about the, the note taking and like productivity system. There's all these systems that we build to do and operate our lives that are basically going to get completely rebuilt because of this new technology. And that's how you know that there's a net new platform shift in the world. And this has to be a part of everything that you do and everything that you think about. And, and Kieran, it really dawned on me. I sent you this link this morning on WhatsApp, but we haven't talked about it. 
Like this guy was able to just build a simple function in Google Sheets to connect with GPT-4 to write sales prospecting emails. I saw this. Yeah. Like this is bananas. And it's just like, this is just a free thing he's giving away on Twitter at scale. At scale. Like, imagine with this is just in HubSpot and every other like sales software in the world. Like it's, it's going to be mind blowing. Well, the other thing is that I think is a tricky thing to navigate is this is a singular person launching, which previously would have been a product with multiple engineers and people working on it. And now you, well, that's the right point. This would have been a, a well-funded startup. And now right. this guy is just doing it as a way to get more Twitter followers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that is the commoditization <laughs> of value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually, we moved from freemium to Twitter followers. Three years ago, they would have raised $10 million and built a startup. And now it's like, ah, I'm going to do the same thing to get a few hundred Twitter followers. I want Clyde. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love the show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. We should stay, we'll stay on the optimistic and maybe end with the pessimistic, which is um, <laughs> the other thing about the 25,000 words, it's transformative for education. Yes, it is. Like education is not the same for a multitude of ways. And so the most obvious one was what you talked about, which is like, hey, I can pass all of these exams using AI. I don't actually need to actually study or take any of them. The other one that's, I think, very transformative is you have all of these course creators. And what the course creators for the most part do is they know a bunch of stuff. They're able to like synthesize that into cool lessons and ways that you can actually learn that thing. Well, I can build my own course library because I can take yes. all of the content, I can give it to AI and I can say, build me a six week course. And the amazing thing will be in not very distant future because it's multimodal, I can actually get that in text, audio and video. That is the big point here. And so one of the releases that I thought was really fascinating was can Academy have released an AI tutor, which you can just like learn things through the AI. Yeah, that's built on GPT-4, by the way. Right. The Khan Academy AI yeah, tutor. built on GPT-4. So that's pretty incredible. It's like, okay, from marketing-minded folks, there's an opportunity for everyone to become a course creator. But actually, I wonder where the value is created by, you know, giving that person a course versus that person just saying, here's the documentation. You build a course for me. Yeah, I don't need anyone else to build it for me. And those kind of like handoff points are really interesting to think about is like, how much does a human need to be involved what can they be involved in versus I can just do it myself. I don't need you to do anything for me because I will have AI do it for me. I think that most businesses have no clue how much their operating model is going to change over the next five years. Agreed. I, I think it is just completely mind-blowing as I sit here and think about it. The magic, though, of all of this, and, and we're talking about the launch, the GPT-4 launch most, but 
one of the things OpenAI nailed on that launch is they had a lot of launch partners. Like the Khan Academy example was a great example, right? There were like a handful of others. Like there were ways to go and not just use GPT for through like chat GPT, but to go and see it in live products that you use and depend on every day. Like their ability, not just to like come up with this theoretical technology, but to apply it in real world situations quickly and at scale has been amazing. Yeah. They are moving rapidly. I saw a tweet here and there's somebody's like, Sam Altman's going to be the richest person in the world, regardless of his percentage ownership in OpenAI, just because the opportunity of AI is so big. And I think that yeah. is probably the right way to think about it. Yeah. I've watched his interviews from 2016. I've been following it really since then. And I will say his tone has changed a little bit about AI. And, you know, I'm sure if he was on the pod, he would probably tell me I was wrong. But <laughs> I remember watching him. I think I told the story where in 216, 217, when it was really early, he was being pushed by a reporter really hard about AI's impact on jobs. And he fundamentally talked about blue collar jobs. And anytime we've disrupted those jobs, they've just moved on to like better versions of those jobs. And I watched a recent interview on Greylock and I just sensed that he himself felt a little surprised by maybe how disruptive AI is going to be and said it was kind of like interesting that AI is starting with engineers versus blue collar workers. And he said something in that interview was kind of, I was like, uh, this doesn't make me feel great, which is humans might have to find other things to do with their time. (laughs) That's not good. That's not good. It's not a good strategy. People need to feel that they have something that's meaningful, that they're needed, that they're like, humans want to feel a sense of like purpose, right? And like, Having an AI do everything is not, like it sounds great. I don't need to work or do any of those things, but I don't think people are going to be happy with that kind of life. So there's a lot of disruption coming. I just want to touch on a couple of others. So one of the companies that I've talked a lot about before is Tome. Uh, They actually had a huge funding round. They're building fundamentally like AI-driven presentations, but just storytelling through AI. They had a really cool demo of GPT-4 where they took a Wikipedia article and they just give it to GPT-4 and it created an entire presentation. Now I played with a lot of the presentation tools. I played with Tome a little bit, not a lot. And they, they've been fine. Like mm-hmm. they're nowhere near as good. They're not ready for prime time yet. None of the things they've given me, I would present. This one looked really good. Okay. And so again, pace of evolution looks really good. And then the final one that I wanted to kind of mention was, I guess just touching on the image recognition because we kind of glossed over it, but. Yeah, that it's, it's massive. It's There's examples of it just like perfectly describe. I actually don't understand this. Like it perfectly (laughs) describes an image. How does it, do you know how it does that? I don't know. I know we're going to have Nathan on so he can maybe describe us because I just, I was like, it was describing a squirrel and like this, what the squirrel was doing. I was like, what the, how is it doing that? Like, what is it doing? So some of this stuff is mind blowing, but just incredible amounts of use cases. The other thing I guess I would kind of make sure we highlight is it is less than 24 hours that we're talking about this. And I've already seen a multitude of real use cases. Yes. The speed at which people are finding ways to use this in their work is pretty mind-blowing. Like there's no user manual, there's no guide. It's just like pretty broad horizontal tool. And within a couple of hours after launch, people are like, oh, look at that build, look at that. You've shown something that someone builds. Pretty incredible adoption. And in fact, there's so much here. I think we should do a separate follow-up episode just on use cases, especially the marketing and kind of go-to-market use cases. We've talked about a handful of those today. But wow, I want to move on and talk about some of the other things that happened on what I'm calling AI Day versus Pi Day now. But um, we're going to come back, everybody watching, with a full deep dive on all the GPT-4 use cases. So if you want to see that or hear that, hit the subscribe button. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, Kieran. That being said, I want to park GPT-4 for just a minute because there's a lot of other things that happened on AI Day on March 14th. What do you think the second biggest thing was? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Midjourney's release? I guess Google's release, but... I think I think the Adept thing. It's Adept for me. Oh, the Adept funding rise? Yeah, I'll, I'll give my pitch on this. And, I, and you pick Midjourney or Google and give your pitch on that, just so everybody has context. So there's a company called Adept. Kieran, I think it's fair to say that you and I have gotten some back channel on Adept over the last year, that what they're doing is very high quality, Yo. very, very mind-blowing. And so... I don't think we were surprised to hear that they were raising a bunch of money to go faster here. But they raised $350 billion during the week of a banking crisis. So like that tells you a little bit of how big the opportunity is. And Adept is all about what ChatGPT is doing and GPT-4 is doing for text and audio and video. Adept is trying to do for software. Right. To basically say, hey... I need to do this thing. I need to write and send this email to this specific list of people at these specific times. And then Adept goes and executes all of that for you. And they're trying to fundamentally change how we use software. And I think the upside on changing the user experience for software is so huge and so significant that that was my number two biggest announcement of March 14th. Yeah, I think uh, they are a great example of how like I've talked about this, that AI somewhat moves everything else back into the background. Like it's a layer on top of everything and moves everything else as like into middleware or backend and moves all of that software into a place where it doesn't really matter what the software is. It just matters in the functionality because I use it through a depth. Uh, the reason I chose Google is just because it's not mind-blowing in terms of like they're launching AI through the platform. But it's getting it in, in everybody's hands. It's getting it in everyone's hand and it is going to start to show us what happens when these large, large companies just add AI to existing features yes. and how does it actually make it really hard for anyone else to compete with them, which is the kind of thing that we've talked about. One of the things we're worried about. Yeah, small number of winners versus lots and lots of innovation across smaller companies, which is what I would hope for. And for people who miss Google's announcement, because I think a lot of people did, what were the highlights? What, what do people need to know? And how is that going to impact everybody in the marketing world? You know, I, I really stuck to just the productivity stuff. I know yeah. they released some specific some developer models tools and too. things like that for developer tools. But I really looked at the Gmail demo video they released. Like super cool. Like email, a no-brainer for automation. And Google Docs, like all of the stuff you would expect getting AI for the uh, write-in, AI for Google Sheets, which there's a ton of plugins for that exist today, but it, why not just do it through Google itself? So just the productivity, like it really should help to expedite all work. If I can automate all of my email, that's pretty game changing. And so you can actually get summaries of like what people said. You can have AI write the follow-ups. You can do all of the kind of workflow stuff. So none of it was like non-obvious, but all things that are incredibly usable. But that is a signal to everybody watching that AI is just going to be a part of your daily life over the next like couple months. It's not a couple years, it's a couple months. You will just be using AI at every turn. And the pace of innovation and commercialization of this technology continues to be mind-blowing to me. Yeah, fast. Oh, It is moving fast. Kieran, can we have a sidebar on some marketing talk for a minute? We've been doing marketing, but AI specific. All the SEOs apparently yesterday decided to wake up that AI was going to disrupt search. Like Will Critchlow, longtime SEO, was like, oh, you know, I finally come around that AI is going to be a big transformation disruption to search. And I'm like, really? Just now? Just now. Come on, man. Come well, on. Well, first of all, search is 
fundamentally driven by AI, like Google's search algorithm is AI. So it has already constantly been disrupted by AI as you update that algorithm. But I guess like what do they think is transformative that is new? Like we, educational content is commoditized. Look, everything, everything that we've been saying on the, the pod for months, yeah. it's like people are starting to catch up. Like Rand Fishkin, who we love, who's a great SEO, was like, oh, here, here, here you go, Karen. I'm going to show you this tweet because I know you haven't, I'm clear you haven't seen it. 14 hours to go. Wait, so if Chad GPT style search interface takes off, brand mentions will be way more valuable than links, right? Because the goal will be to have your brand shown within the large language model power answers. And those are trained on broad web indices. Yeah? Or am I wrong here? And Google, Microsoft, et cetera, use only specific training sets, Wikipedia or such. So I think that from the interviews that I have even heard on large language models, GPT, all of these things in terms of how it's going to be disrupted for search, I don't think people are aware of how the language model will decide what it actually recommends. Correct. I agree with that. Like, it's actually not going to be clear how it's going to decide those things. And so the original, I haven't seen what GPT-4 is trained on, GPT-3.5, we actually covered what was in that training model. But I guess this is what SEOs might start to divert to as like trying to optimize for that large language model. I think it is impossible. Like talking to engineers who build this stuff, it is not going to be clear how it's going to take all of this information and provide you with the information that you want. If it starts to provide citations, so it actually shows you the sources that it's cited from, like it may get easier, but... We've been saying this for months. We've been saying this for months and this is why we ranked brand marketing number one in our power rankings, right? Exactly. We were right. Listen to the show, get it before everyone else you're going to be ahead. That's the point I was trying to make is that like it seems with the launch of GPT-4, there's a lot of search commentary coming out. And I think there was no new perspectives. I think it's things that we've been talking about on the show for months. And so I think everybody should double down. Yeah, I think you can look at GPT-3.5 and you can find holes and gaps. But the thing I was trying to argue is this is day one. Totally. This is like Ask Jeeves, <laughs> right? It's like, it's like ask Jeeves. wait till we arrive at Google level type of experience in terms of yes. how transformative. No one is going to use a traditional search engine. It is going to be totally archaic. Can you imagine what this all looks like a year from now? Oh, bananas. It's going to be bananas. It's happening quicker than anyone thinks. I think it's going to transform entire categories of work in such a short amount of time. Yes. And again, you have to just lean into it. Like this is not going to be good in a lot of circumstances. There is no other choice but to lean into it because this is happening whether you like it or not. It's a real real optimistic ending of the show here, Karen. Well, the optimistic part is like, this is an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity. Think about this crazy thing. The gap between someone who doesn't know how to code, but has like great ideas for apps and websites and things like that versus the person who could code was huge. Like huge, gigantic. That gap has never been so small today between those two things. Well, and I want to build on that, Kieran. I have the hottest of hot takes. Are you ready? One of the like stupid Twitter debates that exists on the internet is the whole, what matters more, the idea or the execution of the idea, right? Like how often, I see that all the time. You probably see it all the time. With AI, the idea becomes everything. The marketing of the idea. Well, it, the coming up with the idea and then the distribution of the idea. Those are the only two right. things that matter. The actual matter. production of the idea is going to be commoditized in a lot of situations. Production is commoditized. And the other thing is we should have more time than ever to perfect and improve upon ideas. So actually things, the actual output of people, if it meaningfully goes up, then that's actually going to 
create even more pace of evolution of this stuff, right? People are going to be able to do much more better things because you've taken out the need to do a lot of the production. You can just do the idea to execution. Yeah, but you know what that means? When there are a lot more things being executed and created, there's a lot more competition and marketing becomes more important. Yes. Right? Bring us all of your <laughs> things to be marketed. Let's go. Marketers are more important. There, we're, we're ending with optimistic, marketing-minded people, never more valuable. No, because you're going to have to get distribution for these ideas because there's going to be way more to compete with, right? There you go. There you go. We're going to just spend the next week just playing with GPT-4. We're going to come back to you with a use cases episode. You know, we're obviously going to keep talking a lot about AI. I think March 14th will go down as one of the most important days in history on the AI timeline. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so keep paying attention. Go ahead and upgrade. Start using GPT-4, experimenting with those use cases. And leave us comments on the show as to what use cases you're finding that are really successful for your marketing, your business. I will say that uh, if anyone's following along on the episodes, I did trial GPT-4 in terms of Ballarat and UKIP. Uh, I give it some good inputs. It was really good. And I know I said I wouldn't use it and I won't use it. I will force myself not to use it. But I was like, holy smoke. It did three verses. It did an incredible hook. And it did like, you know, some little ad libs. Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to send you on WhatsApp later this morning, Kieran? What? I unfortunately didn't have it ready for the show. This morning... I had GPT for write a song about how much your pugs love you <laughs> and they love walking on the beach with you and meeting <laughs> Joe Biden in the park with you. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to test out the song stylings of GPT for. So I'm going to play with it a little bit, try to get a, try to get a funny song lyric. Oh, yes. happening. And if it's, it's really good, be... we'll share it on a future show. But okay. at least it's going to be a fun joke for me to send to you. There you go. All right. I'm barely able to speak. But at the same time, I'm totally obsessed with what's going on. I appreciate Kieran for doing some talking this week's show. I'm going to kick this cold and virus and not sound like a frog on future (laughs) shows. But thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much for being on this AI and marketing journey with us. And we'll see you real soon on Marketing Instagram.